Welcome to the final episode of season two. We've covered a lot this season from global construction disputes, mergers and acquisitions, to societal discussions around women in construction, suicide prevention, and the culture of care. We've also had conversations around some of the latest technologies in AI and 360 reality capture. On this episode, we're gonna have a little bit of a different type of discussion. We're bringing on one of the largest program and project owners for the United States infrastructure, the US Army Corps of Engineers. For those of you who are not familiar with the work that the Corps of Engineers does, they do everything from reducing risk on national security and disasters to waterways and building schools. They really do it all. So today we've asked their senior construction engineer, Mackenzie Searle, and the headquarters chief of construction, Kenny Simmons, go Jayhawks, to join us to give us some insight on how the Army Corps is able to provide such a large scope of work. So first, Mackenzie and Kenny, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Would you mind, Kenny, giving us just a brief overview of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers? Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Nick, for having us, and and thanks for the introduction. Rock Chalk, I appreciate the plug for the the wonderful Kansas Jayhawks, where where I went to school. But today, I'm the the Chief of Construction for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. I'm I'm quite blessed to be in this position, and also have a, a really wonderful team that supports everything we do. For folks that don't know about the Corps, the the Army was founded... June 14th, 1775. Two days later, the first engineer officers were commissioned, and then we became a permanent branch as part of the Army in the early 1800s. We have Army roots. We also are supported by 38,000 civilian employees and roughly 1,000 military personnel, all that you see at, at local offices and a lot of our project sites. Just like any Army command, there's a structure. We have one headquarters here in D.C. We've got nine divisions 43 districts there in a lot of the cities that you all live in, nine centers and labs. And we've also got some active duty personnel that do work for the Corps. We're all around the world. So we've actually got presence in 39 countries right now, but we provide support and projects to over 100 countries around the world. Today, you could actually look at the Corps like a Fortune 500 company. We obligate over $20 billion a year in design and construction services around the country. And right now, we have a historic workload on the books is a little over $90 billion in work for design and construction, with a large majority of that going to private sector construction contractors to deliver our missions. As a component of the Army, we support national readiness and the warfighter. So for those of you that are familiar with any military installation, it's like its own city, right? All of the infrastructure and facilities, buildings, we do the design and construction for the United States Army on their installations. We also support other DOD installations here and abroad. So it's not just work for the Army, but the the military as a whole, we provide a lot of support to. And for those of you that maybe have seen a little red emblem with a white castle on it at your local lake or park that you camp at. We do a a ton of work in the civil works arena, dams, levees, locks, ports. The Army Corps of Engineers is here to serve the country across many different features of work and, and types of infrastructure that we actually deliver. We have a lot of parks those of you that have camped at a park, it's the Army Corps of Engineers that's operating, maintaining many of those around our lakes. And you drive across a dam or you've been on a boat ride through a lock, Army Corps of Engineers is 
providing design and construction services to support all of that infrastructure. So it's a quite a large workload. Nick, I appreciate you saying they do everything. We have a significant amount of expertise in the agency that we deliver the country. Every day, there's a new project. Appreciate the opportunity to intro and, and highlight some of what we do. It sounds like you all stay very busy. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah. Kenny, you mentioned you were construction branch chief at headquarters. Can you tell us a little bit about that role and what it entails? Sure. At our headquarters, we have an engineering and construction division. So there's a military engineering group civil engineering and a dam and levee safety engineering. And then I have the good fortune, I think it's a good fortune on most days, that all the construction feeds into the construction branch at the headquarters. I have some other components, including technical support to our Department of Veterans Affairs Program Management Office, as well as our cost engineering community of practice for the Army Corps of Engineers. There are about two-thirds of my staff and maybe two-thirds of my headaches at times but also two-thirds of my successes are, are tied to the construction management community of practice. Within my branch, I'm supposed to provide strategic direction for the agency. So I mentioned there being 43 districts that make up the Army Corps. I've got to set 43 district teams up for success, where it's construction, VA work, cost engineering. Specific to construction, there are about 3,700 people in the Army Corps of Engineers that work as a construction community of practice individual. So that can be a quality assurance rep in the field. It could be a project engineer solving some technical issues. It could be the office engineering people that work our contracts that we obviously award to private sector and end up delivering that construction. I wake up every day and I look at some of the challenges and opportunities we have, but the real purpose for me in my role is to set a lot of other people up for success and, and to take down as many roadblocks as possible. Sometimes that's just internal things that we have to do and work through. Sometimes there's opportunities to engage outside of this headquarters. We're obviously situated in Washington, D.C. So we get congressional inquiries. We've got congressional stakeholders that want to know what we do, how we do it, how can we get better. We've also got our Department of Defense stakeholders across the river at the Pentagon who are asking similar questions, trying to understand how we deliver, how we could get better, and, and what they can do as critical leaders in the federal government to set us up for success to deliver infrastructure. And Carly, I wish I could tell you that I, I would have similar days back to back. Sometimes it is choose your own adventure when you're trying to steer a very large cruise ship of 3,700 people in construction looking at 90 billion dollars in work to do but like i said i've got a great team here that supports us at headquarters i got a great team across the core that to deliver this work trying to take care of those people and set us up to deliver is really my key focus i want to go back a little bit and talk more about communities of practice and about the construction management community of practice mackenzie can you give me a little bit on what their role is in the construction project delivery Sure. First off, a little bit of history. Communities of practice are what the Corps of Engineers calls our different groups that help with project delivery. So you've got our project managers, we have project management, communities of practice, construction management, contracting, just all, all the different kind of stakeholders who help us deliver our projects within the Corps. The construction management community of practice, I think we're, I might be biased, but I think we're probably the most important group in the entire process of project construction lifecycle delivery. But we're comprised of all of our construction personnel worldwide. 
like Kenny said, those 3,700 team members who are out on the ground, the boots on the ground executors responsible for taking that project from design up until reality and making sure it's eventually turned over to the user. One of the key things that we've been advocating for and our construction management teams also do is getting them in the project early. So once we figure out we have a project, we start initiating it. They're responsible for bringing that construction perspective into the project early on, um, knowing the market conditions, identifying potential constructability issues. If there's anything unique going on in that area, they're going to be the ones who know what's going on there. So that construction community of practice, it's worldwide. We lead it at headquarters, like Kenny said, he's the lead. And then our team of senior construction engineers that I'm a part of, I think there's about nine of us at headquarters right now, we're responsible for providing that policy, strategic direction, and helping to advocate for our team members out in the field every day. So we look at those different things that are going on and make sure that we're getting the right tools, training, and resources to help them. As Kenny said, that the choose and adventure up here, we've done things from there was legislative changes that have affected our teammates in the field, and we're out there trying to get a new legislative change to correct whatever may have happened. We're trying to help with them with a lot of different things like training, making sure that they understand cost, safety, anything that goes on during that construction life cycle. We're responsible for, and we're at headquarters, we're responsible for leading and managing how we approach those throughout the Corps. Mackenzie, to follow up on that, are there specific areas of focus right now for the CM community of practice? Are there big issues that you're trying to tackle? What are you currently working on in the community of practice? Yeah, and Kenny can definitely chime in after um, I get to the end of the, I kind of start. I think that one of the things he mentioned is our workload is more than tripled in the past five years. So we went from about $40 billion in 2018 to over $90 billion right now. One of the things that hasn't changed as much is our staffing levels. So we've maybe got 100 people more with double the work that we're trying to put into the ground because they're not giving us more timelines to deliver these projects. I know we're not alone in that challenge, but that is one of the biggest things that we're trying to look at. So it's people. How do we help support our people? How do we make sure that they have the basic fundamental knowledge as we're bringing these new people in? How do we train them up as fast as we can so that they're ready to be out there and providing impact and being able to oversee the construction and manage the construction contract admin in the way that we have to do it in the Corps of Engineers. And then quality. That's one of our other really big focuses. And really the quality focus is, I think, throughout the entire Corps of Engineers and project lifecycle right now. There's a huge push as well from our, our leader, the chief of the engineering construction division at headquarters, Mr. Pete Perez. His big focus is on quality. And so we've been trying to figure out how do we make sure that what we're putting in the ground is is what is supposed to be there. Is it what was expected? Is it the right quality that first time around? We don't want to have to go back and try to fix these things. We don't want to discover problems after the fact. So we're really looking at that and revamping our quality processes, indicators to help us understand what's going on. And then it goes back to the training piece of it and the people, I think, more than anything else again. How do we make sure that we have the right people in the right place at the right time to deliver that quality? Penny, do you have anything you want to add to that? I mean, Ken, that's well said. I think as we prioritize what our focus areas should be, there's this sort of healthy friction or tension of solving the challenges of today, but also preparing for tomorrow. So I think the industry is going through a little bit of evolution right now that really started before COVID. I, I think some of the 
the anecdotes you hear that COVID changed things, but we saw challenges with a labor force before COVID. We could handle it though, right? We were talking 10% shortages. So you could ebb and flow across your workload. And, and now we've got massive shortages and the country's infrastructure um, or, or construction portfolio has been super saturated with work. And so it presents like some new challenges in, in, in what we do. And each day we could say, let's just fight the tactical fires or let's ignore those and only focus on the future. But when we have 14 to $16 billion a year of active work actually getting done, not awarded, but private sector, blue collar craft workers putting that much work in the ground every year, I have to handle both. So we actually, we brought in some like executive coaches earlier this year to, to talk about vision and mission and strategy. And, and we actually developed a purpose statement for this team. It's innovating construction management, building the future. And so we're acknowledging the stressors that we have today, but we're trying to use that as an opportunity to build what the future really should look like as we lead these things. Mackenzie, I think, hit some really good points on quality and relationships and how we work together and take care of our people, because that's ultimately the foundation of, of anything that we're trying to drive from this headquarters. One thing I didn't add in, I think when you said that mission or purpose statement, I think it's really important. One of the other big focus areas for us is innovation because we aren't going to solve the people problem if we don't get the right technology and innovation out there to help support them. We need to get people from having to do as much of those administrative tasks that can be optimized and taken over and we can leverage technology to help us do those more efficiently and effectively so that they can be back out, boots on the ground, actually overseeing that construction and then giving them the tools to do that in the best manner possible. So innovation is one of our other really big focus areas. Speaking of innovation, you guys just opened up the Construction Management Innovation Office. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I had to sit down when I took this position and really think about what could or, or should be different. I was on this team as just one of the guys for about six years before I became the chief of construction. I look at those challenges that we had and I brought on some new people. We started thinking about what keeps us up at night and what should we do as leaders? Part of what holds you back from thinking about the future are those day-to-day -day challenges that I mentioned previously. And we do it to ourselves when you don't commit to those strategic goals and objectives for the group. We actually stood up our construction management innovation office. So CMIO, we're the army, right? We got to have an acronym. So this was our commitment within this headquarters to really focus on innovation. And so instead of it being another duty as assigned, instead of it being one thing that comes up on a Friday afternoon, when you have a chance to actually pause and think, we're really committed to it. And I've got a guy by the name of Derek Godfrey, who actually presented at a recent CM inference talking about our innovation program. And we're really focused on modernizing and innovating the way we do business. I created a charter with this team. A ton of research has gone into what other industries are doing, what other construction management agents are doing to look to the future. I think sometimes people get really focused on the technology aspect of innovation, which is absolutely essential as you move forward today in, in the year 2023. But we're also trying to focus on people and process. We, we see it as people, process, and technology is what's going to carry the agency into the future. 
for more successful delivery of our, our construction mission. And there's a training component to that. There's an IT component to it, but it's also just how we do business to step back and, and look with a fresh set of eyes at, at what we need to do. So this team, as we built it out, again, there, there's a significant focus on the IT component, but we're looking at really raising the standard across all three elements of people, process, and technology. We're thinking about how people learn. What sort of tools do people have? Today, I have an IT system to manage construction, and I also get to use a web browser to find policies. I also get an email to find guidance updates. And we all have a hard drive full of best practices and lessons learned that we haven't shared with the rest of the agency, right? We're really looking to combine a lot of these little individual things that have been happening and push towards a more cohesive approach and delivery of construction. I mentioned being blessed to have a really good team. The agency has a lot of really great opportunities and resources as well. So many people may not know, we have an engineer research and development center. So we actually have a research hub in USACE that's supported by many different labs and they do a lot of research, but they're also do a lot of technology transfer and they are helping us modernize our IT systems. They're helping us tap into new ways of thinking and, and just having consultants or external support really look at this is how you should attack problems, whether it's uh, new methods of analysis or just committing to a completely new way of doing business and blowing a couple things up. That, that's what we're up to right now with the establishment of this office and how we see the future shaping for the agency. Mackenzie, Kenny mentioned those lessons learned. Building off of that, any lessons learned you want to share with us today or trends in the industry? I think that we've hit on some of them. I think one of the big lessons learned we have had that we're really putting an emphasis on is our partnerships and relationships and maintaining those strong business relationships and open lines of communication because problems don't get better over time unless they're addressed. We have to be those problem solvers and those thinkers out in the field. And we need to be working together as one cohesive team in order to do that. So I think that's one of our big things. Another one is we did have a lot of, I would say, I think everyone did in the industry challenges maybe during the COVID times where we are trying to keep everybody out there onto the sites and still overseeing construction and making sure that things were still going. We had a lot of delays in materials and equipment and things like that. I think that we're taking some of those lessons that we've learned as to how that affected us on our projects and maybe some of those things that we're seeing the aftermath of now to make sure if anything ever happens like this in the future, we have some better ways to address and kind of forecast and look at these processes moving forward. I would say when it comes to those lessons learned with that, it's, it's how do we identify upfront and maybe in our procurements, understanding long lead items, identifying some of those areas that maybe it's going to be tricky to actually execute that work. Some of those areas that require a lot of coordination amongst all the different designers and team members so that we don't get to construction. We start putting everything in and uh-oh, everything is going to clash and hit at the same spot. I think Mackenzie hitting on some of the tactical challenges we're having and how to overcome those and what we're learning. I never want to be the big bad bureaucrat that says all of our processes are perfect and no one has latitude for professional judgment. But I think one of the lessons we're learning is that we've got pretty good processes 
but how we communicate with others is where maybe we could do a little bit of a better job. And that's not just constructors in the field, right? Like our stakeholders, the Congress, as we see money trickle into our programs, I like to say that it's a technical industry, but it's a people business. And I believe that the, the experts in this industry, whether they're wearing a Corps of Engineers hard hat or, or someone else's, can come to the table and solve just about anything. And we have to respect that, that there's contractual relationships that we do have and will respect and uphold to each other to be accountable to. But how you actually attack problems together is what you really need to commit to. And that may be someone that's a government person that has various levels of expertise in construction. It might be a construction manager that we've hired to support some of our missions from different firms. And it might be the blue collar craft worker on the other side that sees things in a narrow lens of where he or she is an expert. The perspective that those individuals provide to the challenges we have is drastically different, right? Everybody's got something that's very important to them that the other person, quite frankly, doesn't appreciate because they've never been in that situation before. And how we bring all these parties back to a table toolbox and get on the same page as to what our common objectives are is where I see like the real lesson to be learned or that we're observing right now that we have to move forward to in the future with. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, the Construction Manager Certification Institute. Today's ANSI accredited certified construction manager brings professionalism to the project and provides leadership by unifying architects, general contractors, engineers, and facility managers to successfully complete the project. The CCM is familiar with the latest techniques and technologies of construction, from prefabrication to building information modeling. He or she thoroughly understands sustainable design and construction, how projects are financed, and how risks can be minimized and effectively shared. The Certified Construction Manager is a communicator, a facilitator, a problem solver, a professional leader. Certified Construction Managers have the proven knowledge and experience to deliver all these values for every project. Make the CCM part of your strategy for success. For more information on the Certified Construction Manager, please visit cmcertification.org. So I've heard you guys say a couple times now that the Corps of Engineers has renewed its focus on building and sustaining strong business relationships. Can you tell me a bit more about the effort that and its intended effects on project delivery? Definitely, Nick. Over the past few years, when the uh, current chief, General Spellman, took over, he had heard a lot of frustrations from some of our industry colleagues. We don't partner like we used to. Our relationships have been a bit adversarial, like Kenny was saying earlier. So one of his priorities coming forward was when he came in was strengthen our relationships and have a whole line of effort as his entire priorities for his time as the chief to be focused on that and strengthening those relationships. It's been a kind of evolving process and it'll continue to evolve, I think, as we move forward. But in November of 2021, we published a command philosophy for relationships. And that was supposed to set like a new baseline for how we engage with our partners, not just our contractors, but every one of our stakeholders across the entire project delivery life cycle and renewing our focus on thinking about those relationships the whole way and how they impact delivery. And then we actually published after that, we expanded upon it with a construction project relationship playbook just over a year ago. 
and we're really proud of that one. It is construction focused and that's for the first of many. So I would say don't expect this to be the only one that you see or the only, it stays construction focused. But the key principles of the playbook are things that we've been driving within USAFE and we really just had to get back to reemphasizing and making a priority. The strong relationships, not just when that contract is awarded from inception, because if we wait to start building those strong business relationships until that contract's awarded, we probably set ourselves up for failure already. We've got to be able to maintain those relationships. We've got to get all those people who are involved up into getting that award for construction to be working together, rowing the same way. So we're going downstream. We're not working against each other and really solutions-based and focused on that in-state. So we got that project playbook out for construction. We're actually working on an AE supplement next, architect engineering supplement next. But while we're doing that within USACE and headquarters, Kenny hired recently a dedicated partnering teammate within our branch, Neil Parker. So he's got a lot he's got to be doing, but he's really helping to lead the charge on taking that partnership playbook into reality. So making sure we're getting the focus on training our teams on the implementation of all the tools, because it's not just, hey, we're going to preach to you about partnering and relationships. What we are going to say is here's some of the scalable tools and processes that you can use on your job. From that very small job, maybe it's a $20,000 job all the way up to the hundreds of millions of dollar mega project. Here's how you can scale tools and processes. So he's helping our teams really work on bringing that into reality and really part of our everyday changing culture, I would say. So that's just our everyday doing business. It's not, hey, we need to stop and think about, are we building these relationships and leveraging our strong business relationships? But it's just inherent in what we do every day out in the field. But speaking of relationships, we're very thankful that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and CMAA have built a strong business relationship. Kenny, you sit on the board of directors. Mackenzie, you're on several committees. We appreciate your participation. And Kenny, what are some of the best values you perceive from the partnership? The number one is probably that I get invited to podcasts. I don't know if the list extends beyond that. No, I'm kidding, of course. Honestly, when I took this position and had the opportunity to join the board as an ex officio director, I was like, what can I learn from all of these other industry leaders? And I think that the training and development of construction management professionals is probably the shiny object that I'm most attracted to within the CMAA construct. And our missions are extremely diverse, but the fundamentals of how construction professionals need to lead delivery, I, I think are consistent across all of our missions. And they're also consistent between the government agency that we are and the private sector companies that your CM leaders represent. We're really excited with our recent upgrade in our membership with CMAA, becoming a mega member. And where I see the most value out of that is really enlightening our professionals to the, the tiered approach and training from a CMIT all the way up to a certified construction manager. So when you can overlay what is a common or accepted structure of training, development, professional growth of the partners that you're going to work with in construction, I think it brings a lot more awareness to the skill sets that we are hiring either to augment our staff or to watch things get built by a private sector construction firm and really play off of each other's strengths. I think it's also a great opportunity for us to look at the traditional ways in which we have coached and mentored people. 
I can throw a stack of engineer regulations and a list of training courses at you. None of them get at the soft skills of doing business. CMIT structure, the things that CMA is pushing, y'all are very well aware of that personal nature or human connection that's needed to actually deliver business that at times can be very stressful. And, and so when I look at the CMIT growth and progression uh, up through certified construction managers, um, that, that's where I see a lot of the value for this agency to learn and adapt maybe how we actually grow and train our professionals to lead our infrastructure. I want to talk a little bit about something that we've hit on a few times this season, and that's mental health. And the construction industry has been pushing awareness and support for mental health and taking care of people. Can you tell us a bit about how you and your team have been able to address or raise awareness for those kind of important issues? Yeah. So it's a new topic that not many of us in this industry are trained in. And, and so sometimes you need some outside help. I think the first thing is that you have to prioritize it. And, and we can't just have mission statements or goals of take care of your people. And then you actually don't take care of your people. I think you have to acknowledge that there's room for growth. There's potential risk to the health of your individuals. We're very focused in construction on safety, right? You want everybody to go home to their families at the end of a hard day of work. And now we're going through this evolution where I think we have to expand our focus on safety to include things like mental health and emotional intelligence. You got to lead that. So a couple of things that we've done, uh, I've pulled our construction leaders from our district. All of my districts have a chief of construction. So I've got a button to push at each local office. And, and we started actually having a separate leadership meeting with them a couple of years ago. So I've, I've broken the construction leaders out from our traditional once a year training event of a couple hundred people. I've said, hey, look, we've got to focus on different things, bigger things. And a couple of years ago, as the fall of 2021, we actually spent two days talking about emotional intelligence and mental health. And you could tell, right? Like we've got these like chiseled individuals that have no feelings, have no emotions that want to build things. And I'm like, hey, we're going to have a meeting and for two days, we're going to talk about the softer side of who you are. Obviously a little bit of discomfort, right? You're doing something new, weird and different. Some of the topics uh, of suicide in the construction industry are taboo, but it, it's, a, it's something we have to acknowledge. And we don't have to say that it's a big problem and the sky is falling, but we have to say this is a relevant topic that, that we as leaders need to address. So through some of our academic collaboration with different universities and also with some sessions that CMAA has provided uh, with some of your industry experts and partners, we looked at actually doing some testing of your emotional intelligence, talking about mental and physical health, and then more importantly, talking about how to take care of yourself as a leader that's really taken the burden of a lot of stress from all of your people, but also coaching and mentoring others to, to have these conversations, to talk about things you can do to take care of yourself. Still new, weird, and different. What's the metric, Kenny? Was, was that session with your construction chiefs successful? That's a hard question for me to ask, but I can tell you in our follow-up session that we just had recently, People were much more comfortable talking about this. And, and so I see that as a great first step in, in taking care of our people. You know, there's more to be done from a safety standpoint, I think. 
And I'm looking forward to industry feedback and things you all are doing as we go down this journey of legitimately committing to and taking care of our people. I think just by you being on the podcast and normalizing the conversation of this is a big step forward. So thank you. So Mackenzie, as we wrap things up, I was wondering if you could take out your crystal ball and let us know what for the the future of construction management. Do you anticipate changes in the makeup of construction management teams or anything else you anticipate for the future? I think there is going to be a lot of change. I'm actually really excited about it. One of my tasks or roles here at headquarters is to kind of try to figure out what our construction resident offices of the future are going to look like. I'm not going to say it's an easy thing and it's something that I wake up one day and I have the same vision as the next day or kind of like I don't read an article that really changes around what I may think about it. But I think everything's on the table in the future. Our industries evolved a lot. We tend to be a little bit behind the rest of, I would say, other industries and how we adapt technology or, and adopt it. But we do have to think about new ways of delivering projects and what teammates we need to have out there in the field. I think with technology becoming more and more important, and it's going to be a huge piece of what we need to do, like we've said before, to like help get rid of some of those administrative things, because technology is not going to replace all of your eyes being able to be out on the ground and see what's going on, but it can help us do a lot better on the efficiency piece. With that, I think we may end up having to have maybe a technology officer, someone who's like really the our technology guru out in the field, where in the past we really haven't had that for construction at least. It changes from that, from someone who may be like the administrative person who gets all the submittals, hard copy in the past, we get to stamp them, hand them to the resident engineer. Instead, it's that person who's making sure we're leveraging all those tools that we have. I think we're gonna see a lot more data data calls, data requirements, and then leveraging of that data to make better and more informed business decisions in the future. So I think we're going to have, and at least for the construction teams and the core, I think a little bit more of a project controls focus as well as we move forward. And it won't be necessarily a project controls officer on every project because we have places where we have 40 different $200,000 projects. And we've got one, another place where we have hundreds of millions of dollars on one. But I think we're going to have those types of people out there trying to help us understand and make those decisions, hopefully from my perspective, from the very beginning. So if we see we have a trend moving forward, we're like, huh, we are always behind and we're always 60 days later because we have the same issue on every one of our projects. Maybe we need to plan up front so the project just takes 60 days longer. And we can start using that and we've got that information to move forward. So I think that there's going to be a lot more technology, but it's a, it's still a people business. It's, we're going to have to figure out the ways to leverage that technology and have the right people help our teammates use that technology. I just want to thank you both so much for being here and keep up the great work at the Corps. For more information about the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, you can visit www.usace.army.mil. If you can believe it, that concludes season two of the Construction Leaders Podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you information on everything from technology trends to workforce issues and how to advance your career. But we're just scratching the surface. We'll be back next season with tons of new subject matter experts to discuss what is impacting the construction industry the most. To catch all episodes from this season, make sure to download or subscribe to the podcast 
and follow us on social media at CMAA underscore HQ. Also, please leave us a review with your thoughts on not only today's episode, but let us know what topics you'd like to hear on season three of the podcast. On behalf of CMAA, I'm Carly Trout with Nick Soto. It's been a pleasure and thank you for listening.